From Uninterrupted, this is 17 Weeks, the show that gives you the real-time perspective of NFL stars living through the weekly grind of a season. I'm your host, Nate Burleson, and this is Week 10. We are joined by my three talented co-hosts, Saints wide receiver Emmanuel Sanders. The, the doctor, they do the test. I said, man, this is crazy. Like, I'm having a menage a trois. And they go, what? And I'm like, yeah, like, you know the thing where, like, you've been there before, but you haven't. They said, it's, that's called deja vu. They was like, he's done. I just confused the words. It's not because I'm concussed. I just confused the words, bro. Steelers tied in Eric Ebron. Right now, bro, it's literally like, who do we play this week? How can we beat them? Literally, how fast can we beat them? So that way we can we can we can find some way to rest, bro. Honestly, we're pretty tired. <laughs> and Seahawks strong safety, Jamal Adams. This is to anybody that's that's listening, you know, get off my guy three. You know, <laughs> he gonna be all right, man. Before we get to this episode, quick timeout. 17 weeks is brought to you by Uninterrupted and Sirius XM. New episodes drop every Thursday. You can listen on demand on Sirius XM and for free on the Pandora app. The show is also available on Apple Podcasts and other podcast platforms. Also, be sure to follow us on social media at 17 Weeks Pod for more content from the guys. Wherever you listen to it, though, be sure to subscribe, rate five stars, and share the show, too, while you're at it. All right, let's get to the episode. It's time for the breakdown. We're midway through November, and we just had another wild weekend of football with more than a few unexpected outcomes. Week 10 began with the Colts upsetting the Titans Thursday night in Nashville to take over the AFC South League and ended in a monsoon as New England upset Baltimore and Foxborough Monday night to keep their playoff chances alive. The Kyler Murray legend continues to grow beyond Arizona as DeAndre Hopkins beat out three Buffalo defenders and hauled in Murray's Hail Mary pass with two seconds left as the Cardinals defeated the Bills 32-30 and took over first place in the NFC West. But the biggest story of Week 10 comes out of Pittsburgh, where Eric and the Steelers remained unbeaten at 9-0 by taking care of Cincinnati 36-10. Take it away, Eric. The floor is yours. We're undefeated. We're undefeated so much. I'm going to eat my food on this podcast. People, people keep texting me and like DMing me like my homeboys around the league or like my best friends or my, my, my good friends, whatever. Like, bro, y'all, what like what are y'all doing? Like, y'all really about to go 16 and 0? Are y'all really about like y'all really about? I'm like, bro, I don't know. It's it's a, a real life possibility, bro. Any chance you guys might have been even more fired up after the Bengals disrespected you guys on Twitter? Man, yeah. You gotta do what you gotta do to to gas your men up for battle for for victory. The dude in 300 knew he was gonna die, but he talked his men up. Into fighting until their very last breath, and that and that's what that's the kind of position Cincinnati was in. And you gotta you play us first time. I mean, I, they ain't gonna I, they ain't gonna have a video like that on the next time. <laughs> and it'd be still this week. That'll, that'll be the only thing they tweet that week. Footage of you and Juju Smith Schuster dancing it up on the sidelines late in the game went viral. Have you seen it? It's like 40 of them. Somebody sent me one. I'm going to post it like things around Thanksgiving. It's like a Charlie Brown one. Yo, that joint's so dope. That's my guy, man. We we understand each other gameplay, and we do we do a lot of communicating on the field and, and off the field, and I think that's where it started. Off the field, we just clicked, man. We just became really cool. He reminds me of a younger but more mature me. Like, his life is 
so far ahead of what mine was when I was his age. You know, he has a lot more limelight on him. I, I could never be able to handle that much attention that he gets. But the way he thinks and the way he operates and how funny and how personable he is, he reminds me so much of, of me when I was that age and how he just, you know, wants to get along with everybody, wants everybody to have a good day. And um, it's just cool, man. So what is the mindset like in the Steelers locker room? Is being 9-0 and or running the table the rest of the way ever a topic of conversation? We don't even, like, bro, we don't even talk about it. We we on to the next week. We like, who we got this week? Jacksonville. All right. We're, we're tired. We had a week four bye. We came from three away games. We, we played Cincinnati. We, we're about to go travel to Jacksonville, come back, play Baltimore on Thursday night. Like, dog, our schedule is treacherous. Like, I don't care what you say. That week four bye threw a wrench in everything we had. So right now, bro, it's literally like, who do we play this week? How can we beat them? Literally, how fast can we beat them? So that way we can we can we can find some way to rest, bro. Honestly, because we're, we're we're pretty tired. <laughs> What's the Steelers' secret? I think we play too much for each other. We play way too much for each other. It's gonna be really hard to beat us. It's gonna be in crunch time. The amount of respect we have for one another on this team. We don't we don't only play to beat you. We play for we play for each other. Like it's crazy. Like. We we dedicate our play for the man next to us. Like, and that's what I think is really making us unstoppable. Emmanuel, last week on this podcast, you made headlines saying you were looking forward to taking on your old 49er teammates because you wanted to, quote, kick their ass. So did you enjoy kicking San Francisco's ass? You know, I love everybody in that organization. Uh, we had a great time last year, but, you know, business is business. It's like one of those situations where it's like, all right, like, like, I expected to win, you know? But uh, did we win in the fashion that we wanted to win? No. Uh, was it like a weird game, like muff punch and from both sides and offense couldn't get moving and it was just seems like it was just a lagged out game, kind of boring. But did we get the job done yet, right? Um, as weird as that game was and everybody woke up feeling like weird about it, uh, we still won, and we won one more step closer to, you know, Super Bowl and one more step closer to getting to the playoffs and, you know, trying to win a world championship. Did you have a chance to get in touch with any of your ex-teammates leading up to the game? I talked to I talked to majority of the guys, and then after the game, I talked to all of them. And, you know, one thing about San Fran is right now they're, they're battling a lot of injuries. And um, next year, they're going to be a team to watch, man. Uh, once they get all their dogs back, like, no, everybody thinking, oh yeah, San Fran's back to San. Nah, they're not. They're not. They just got a lot of guys hurt right now. But once Kyle gets all his dogs back, like they're still gonna be a problem. And so, uh, I believe in that organization. I believe in Kyle. I believe in in John. And uh, you know, I want to see him do well, but just not this year, right? <laughs> Did any of them take issue with what you said here last week? Everybody goes into the game, right? Wanting to kick somebody's ass. That's the objective of football. That's the objective of any sport. I don't care if I'm playing my son outside in basketball. Like, I'm trying to kick his, you know what I mean? Like, I'm trying to kick his butt. And I don't know why I just paused because it's like, like my son was in the room, but you get what I'm saying. You know, my son's just weird. Like, he'll talk trash to me. And next thing you know, I'm like, all right, I'm about to block every single one of your shots. I got to humble you, kid. You were only on the field 20 plays which is a lot fewer than what you're used to. Any idea why? 
Uh, I think it's just we're just trying to rotate personnel. Truthfully, you know, we've been winning the way we've been, we've been winning, and uh, you know, I can't complain about that. It's just uh, most of the time I play sixty plays, and now you know, I'm playing twenty, which. You know, it's a good thing. Keep my body healthy because it's a marathon, not a sprint, you know? I mean, even Mike. Mike Mike's not even playing that many plays. I think it's just how Sean Payton wants to rotate us. Like, we rotate a lot of personnel groups. And uh, it keeps the defense on their feet uh, because they don't know who's going to be in the game. I remember one time we had a lot of personnel groups. And I was like, yo, we got a lot of personnel groups. He, he didn't even realize it, you know? He didn't even realize it until the following week. He was like, yeah, we got to cut down on the first <laughs> It must be hard to get any sort of rhythm going that way, right? Yeah, that's that's the hardest part, right? Like I never feel like I'm truthfully in the game. But, you know, it's an adjustment uh, within itself uh, because, you know, we're winning. We all just got to get used to it. And uh, when I first got out here, I was kind of weirded out by it. Like my first game, I was like, like, dang, like I'm not starting this game. And they had warned me about it, but I was I never I never understood like how much like personnel they rotate. And then once, you know, I got acclimated with it, I started to see that, man, I'm like, everybody's like, hey, you, you get out of the game good, you good? I'm like, yeah, like, I'm not playing, like, most games I play, like, prior years, I play 60 plays a game. And now I'm playing, like, 20 to 30. So I'm cutting down half of the plays that I'm playing. So better percentage, better percentage of not getting hurt. The Seahawks fell to the Rams 23 to 16 in L.A., dropping to 6-3 in the NFC West, football's toughest division. It was Seattle's second straight loss and third in the last four. Jamal, you had two sacks, including a strip sack, and three more tackles for a loss. You really seem like you have picked up where you left off before the groin injury. How are you feeling now, Jamal? You know, I came back. I came back strong, bro. Finished real strong. Um, obviously, you know, made made a couple plays. Uh, tried to flip the game, and um, obviously, that's what I pride myself on. You know, um, is just trying to be a game changer. Um, trying to flip the field. Trying to get the ball back into three's hands and, and let him be special. So that's that's my job, man. Jefferson doing a heck of a job. Here's pressure off the edge by Adams, and he knocked it out. Your strip sack of Jared Goff was a sweet move. How did you manage that, especially after injuring your shoulder earlier in the game? I was out there with one arm, you know what I mean? So, I, you know, when I came around, honestly, I thought he was going to let go of the ball. And he didn't, and my eyes just got big, bro. And the first thing, you know, that comes to my mind is get the ball, see ball, get ball. So, you know, swiped it with my left hand, <laughs> you know, in an awkward position. And thank God I got it out because I kind of almost missed it. And I think it like like my elbow might have might have got it just enough. And that's all you need, man. So, um, you know, you get the sack and you get the fumble. So that's a plus. But I just wanted to try to flip the game. We needed it at the time and. Um, you know, obviously we put some points on the board going into halftime. Uh, but, you know, credit goes out to, you know, the Rams, man. That's a hell of a ball, ball club. You know, their, their defense, you know, came out and played outstanding. No, no question about it. That was another tough loss to a division rival. How would you describe your spirits? Got to put it together. Every, everybody, you know what I mean? All three phases. And, you know, we, we just got to get better of knowing our teammates, knowing where this person is going to be in this coverage or whatever the case may be. What is his job responsibility, um, you know, when he's doing his job or to where I can get, I can play faster and knowing what you do. You know what I mean? So it's just little small details like that. But like I said, man, we're, we're, we'll be good. You can, you can, you can be 16 and 0 and lose first round in the, in, in the playoffs. 
or second round, should I say, because you have a buy. But, you know, it, it, it happens. <laughs> so, yeah, at the end of the day, you just need to get, give yourself a chance to get into the, to, the, to the run, into the dance. You know what I mean? That's, that's all you need. Second and goal. Roethlisberger with his fourth touchdown pass today. Eric, explain this. Big Ben sits out of practice all week after being placed on the reserve COVID-19 list, then takes the field Sunday and goes 27 for 46, 333 yards, and four touchdowns. I mean, for real though, I mean, 17 years, I mean, it, it ain't much you can really throw at a seasoned veteran like that. I mean, he's almost too well cooked. He's been in the league too long. So we expected him to come out there and be good, be efficient, be Ben. But I mean, he was just putting on a show, man. He was just picking them apart. You know, he just got in a rhythm early. Um, not early enough. Uh, again, you know, we still struggle on offense, finding our run game and trying to, you know, start off early. I feel like if we just, you know, figure out how to start a little bit faster, we would really, really be like a problem. Can you believe Big Ben is rarely talked about in any MVP discussion? And he don't care. He not he not here for no MVP. That boy want a Super Bowl. Like, he don't care. We don't care. I'm I want a Super Bowl. Shit, I'm tired. Like I go through pain every week trying to get my body back for the next week because I want it. Like I want, I want to win a Super Bowl. He wants to win a Super Bowl. We have, we've had these conversations before I came here, and it's like pretty dope to see it come through to fruition. Because man, we're just a bunch of dudes, underrated dudes, uh, left out dudes. Ben, you know, oh, he's too old. Everybody has something, you know, they want to prove on our team. Our defense wants to be. They're playing for something. They want to be the most feared defense in the NFL. Like. Our offense, we they don't want to be stopped. They want they want to be you know proven. They want their respect. So we're just making that shit happen. <laughs> it's crazy. The Steelers look like a tight group. What's the camaraderie among you guys really like? We all hang out. This football team is completely different from any other football team I've been on, simply because we take the time to hang out. Let's watch the night games. Let's let's hang out. Let's be a brotherhood. So that's why we play in such a different way. And it shows, man. It shows. We we a big family on that team. If offense struggling, defense got our back. If our defense is struggling, we're out there scoring more points than the next man to beat them. So as a cohesive unit, man, we're we're doing it. And that's all you can really ask for. Pocket collapsing on Drew Brees, and he gets drilled by Contavious Streets. The big news from the Saints win Sunday wasn't just a win, though. It was the injury sustained by QB Drew Brees that forced him out of the game at halftime. Drew was slammed to the turf when he was sacked midway through the second quarter, but gutted it out and finished the half. Reports are he had multiple rib fractures on both sides and a collapsed right lung. Emmanuel, how tough is Drew Brees? One thing about Drew, man, Drew's a soldier, man. He's a soldier. Like, I literally... I literally had that same injury. And I'm not going to say I had the exact same injury, but I I had broke uh, cartilage in, in my rib, and that shit was painful, man, like painful. So the fact that, you know, he went out and played with that, right, like that speaks a lot about him. I remember when he got sacked and the guy laid on top of him, right, like I knew how he felt because that shit hurt. When I saw Drew going through what he going through, I, I had to let him know, like, bro, like, you a soldier. Like, I couldn't even make it to halftime of that. Like, I made it to halftime of the uh, Cardinals game, and then 
Kyle was like, like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, I respect, like, you trying to battle, but, man, you don't have to battle like this, right? And, you know, so for Drew to battle like that, like, man, that's a soldier, man, because 99.5% of people aren't battling through that. So you build different, and you got to respect that. Even though he was pissed off that he can only make it to half, like, bro, this is not a normal injury. Like, that shit hurt. What was the recovery rate for an injury like that? Ribs recover a lot faster than people think. I'll be walking around and like, I'll feel like a sharp pain in the same spot. I'm like, all right, like it still is not there, but I can function normal, right? And I was able to play somewhat how I wanted to play. Like Drew's going to recover a lot faster than, you know, I know people think. Like when you, re- when you read, you know, broken ribs and a lung, your lungs collapse, it seems like, damn, he's done for the year. But uh, it's not like that. And, you know, you got to be built different to play this game. Backup QB Jameis Winston has some pretty big shoes to fill. How do you feel about Jameis stepping in for Drew Brees? Man, Jameis is one of the hardest working guys on the team, probably besides Drew. I just waited. I bet if I go to the facility right now, Jameis is at his locker, right? Every morning, he's the first person that you see. Like, hey, good morning. Like, after halftime, he's the first person you see. And then on the sideline, he's the one walking around, just spreading so much positivity. And so... Now he's making, you know, whatever he's making, league minimum uh, for a quarterback, but has embraced his role, and, and he's playing it, and he's not complaining about it. He's just working his working himself out through the situation and, and, and handling it as a man, and I respect that. You know, I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know if Drew's playing this week or not, but, you know, if Drew's not playing and Jameis gets to take all the reps and we can treat Jameis as if, all right, we're going in the, in the game with you now. It's time to lock in, right? And so, you know, I'm looking forward to playing with Jameis. He's going to launch that ball 100%. You know, playing with a guy like that, it, it's fun, right? Because he's going to give you opportunity and you, you can make the most of it. Next up for the Saints is a visit from the Atlanta Falcons, who are 3-1 and one in their last four. Before you signed with New Orleans, were you aware of how intense the rivalry is between the Saints and the Falcons? It's crazy because, like, well, when I was in Denver, I would—I I remember I told somebody I was a Saints fan. It was a place that I, I worked out at. When I walked in there, you know, they found out I played for the Saints. And the head trainer over there, her name is Jess. She was like, I'm an Atlanta Falcons fan. You can't work out here. She even told me, she said, I don't have a problem really with Carolina or Tampa. It's just the Saints. I don't like the Saints. Right? And so I guess it is a rivalry. And, oh, yeah, like, Atlanta's one of those teams that, man, they got players. And... Uh, they got a quarterback in Matt Ryan, and we cannot take these guys lightly because their record doesn't show what they could come out and do on any given Sunday, right? And so we got to handle business. Jamal, there were reports that you went up to Russ after the loss to the Rams and told him that he was, quote, the chosen one. Is that true? Russ, you know, he puts a lot of pressure on himself, and he doesn't need to. You know what I mean? Russ is an outstanding player. He's a future Hall of Famer. You can call it what you want. You can say what you want about him. Um, he's, he's going to be fine, man. He, he's obviously he's, he's, he's had some turnovers, but that's just like myself. I've had some mistakes. Who cares? Like at the end of the day, you got to learn from it. You know, no one's perfect, but sometimes we, we try to, you know, get greedy in, in, in the game of football and try to do something that nah, we didn't need to do. You know what I mean? So that's just, that's anybody, man. But you know, I, I, you know, this is to anybody that's that's listening. You know, get off my guy three. You know, <laughs> he gonna be all right, man. We got his back, um, and, and that's all that matters, man. He know he knows, and he's very confident in in himself, and he knows that he's gonna turn it around. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. What are some of the pros and cons of playing on Thursday night? It doesn't bother me. 
obviously right now it's annoying, you know, with my injury. Um, at the end of the day, man, you know, it's another opportunity. The big stage. We got a Thursday night game in front of the world, right? So you want to show out. You know, everybody's watching. So it's big time, man. It's going to be a hell of a, a hell of a game. Uh, but like I said, man, whoever wins the turnover battle is going to win this game. It's that simple. Um, you know, the good thing about a Thursday, there's really pros and cons on it. How I look at it is like, okay, quick start. Got to get your, 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 your body right. Got to get your, your mentals right. But then win the ball game and then you can rest, you know, all the way up until Wednesday, the following week. So it's going to be fun, bro. I can tell you that. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a show. It's going to be a show. Next week, the Steelers travel to Jacksonville to face the 1-8 Jags, who gave the Packers a tough time in Green Bay. Eric, this seems like a game that might be hard to get up for. How do you make sure that doesn't happen? I mean, okay, so let's say that I never won in Jacksonville. So there's a motive to it. The two years we played them, bro, they beat me. Like, we should have never lost to them. But it's something about playing there that's, that's different for teams. And you hear it all the time. It's just something about Jacksonville. It's just like playing there is just different. Maybe it's an Indianapolis thing. Maybe it's a, a thing in Indy. It's like every time we go to Jacksonville, we just can't win in Jacksonville. Um, but, yeah, I'm not there. But that's just like what I know. And we haven't won there when I was there. And I never played them there any other time. So it's kind of like, yeah, we got to win in Jacksonville, bro. Like, to me, I haven't won there yet. So got to go win in Jacksonville. This week on The Huddle Up. Our listeners take over as Jamal, Eric, and Emmanuel respond to Twitter questions that have come in from fans of 17 weeks. First up, a fan asks Emmanuel a football question and gets a French lesson. Stevie underscore Alf. I gotta ask you, fella. <laughs> that hit you took a different while playing around. Was that the hardest you've ever been hit? What are your thoughts on hits like that as a player? Hands down, the wildest hit I've seen other than Ryan Clark on Wes Welker. Funny story about that hit. I never told nobody. This. So they take me back. Like I'm walking back. And the, the doctor, they do the test. When's your birthday? What's your name? What quarter of the game we in? Next thing you know, I got all those right. And I'm and I'm on the table. I'm like, man. Like I said, man, this is crazy. Like I'm having a menage a trois, right? And they go, what? And I'm like, yeah, like you know the thing where like, like you 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 you've been there before, but you haven't. They said it's that's called deja vu. They was like, he's done. It was like he's done. I was like, dude, like I just confused the words. It's not because I'm concussed. I just confused the words, bro. <laughs> like I was just so caught up. I'm like, bro. That, okay, and once I did that, they was like, yeah, he's done. Apparently, somebody's a fan of this podcast because he or she has noticed Eric's a pretty funny guy. Ahem. This is really going to test my uh, Ebronics. All right. At Rabid2710, who's the funniest guy on the Steelers other than you, of course? Man, that's a good one. There's some funny people in our locker room. I'm probably the funniest. Like, I don't, I don't even know who to say, like, is above me. I'm, I'm the funniest. Like, nobody. There's nobody funnier than me. There's nobody else, like... I'm the funniest, like, in the locker room. I mean, you don't really have any, like, true comedians. You just have all these different personalities which make everybody funny in their own way. But pure comedy, I think I probably got it, pure comedy. Next, Emmanuel's sense of style has caught a listener's attention. Know your gal 339. What is your favorite game day outfit that you've ever worn? Oh, man, that's hard. 
I mean, dude, like, in my closet, like, it just got so much drip, <laughs> The one that, um, that sticks out the most, um, has to be the Super Bowls I played in because I remember walking into San Francisco's locker room with a suit on, and it was, it was Super Bowl 50, it was a black suit, uh, but it was black with, like, gold shimmery, and I did that to compliment Super Bowl 50, and I remember after the game, I'm in, a, I'm in a, my my black and gold outfit after being a champion and I got my sunglasses on talking to CBS and it's just a whole vibe, right? It's just, just perfect time. And then, then this past year we were in Miami and Louis Vuitton dropped the line um, and it was like a pinkish, like baby bluish um, line and it was like perfect fit for the Miami vibe. And so it was just the perfect, perfect outfit even though the outcome uh, wasn't what it's supposed to be. That third and 17 to Tyreek Hill, third and 15 to Tyreek Hill killed my whole dreams and ambitions. But, you know, now we got another opportunity to hopefully get back there this year and I got to come harder. A fan of Jamal's gets him thinking about his old nemesis. At Chris Tapping. Who would you say the hardest quarterback to read is? Ooh, man, I would probably have to say uh, Tommy, Mr. Tom Brady uh, himself. Um, Drew Brees was was also very, very, you know, smart. Uh, but that was my rookie year. But he, obviously he's still killing it. But um, looking forward to that matchup as well. But Tom, Tom is definitely uh, somebody that, you know, it's hard to read. He he's seen it all, and um, it's kind of hard to, you know, disguise against him. But hell of a hell of a baller, as everybody knows. One fan would like Eric to compare Big Ben's football IQ to other teammates he's played with. At Eric played Pokemon. How smart of a football player is Ben compared to the other guys you have seen? I get the impression he's absolutely brilliant, the smartest football player I've ever been around. Andrew Luck. By far, the smartest mind, football, outside of football, whatever. Ben Roethlisberger football mind is 100% brilliant. It, I, I don't get it sometimes. He gets it. I understand it. I still don't get it yet. I know what he sees. I don't understand how he gets to it so fast. But... Yeah, he's dope, man. I like I like Ben, but the smartest football player is definitely Andrew, dead by far. Another fan wonders how Emmanuel feels about crowd noise. At Pedro, how do you feel about the season ticket holders starting to attend games? Do you think it will change the way it sounds in the dome, even though it's just three thousand fans? You know, I love it. You know, to have the fans uh, at the game like this past uh, weekend. Uh, it felt good. Even when I was out in Tampa Bay, it felt good. Like, it it gives you something to look forward to, right? The fans set the tone and they set the energy. And when you run out of the tunnel, you hear a crowd, like, it feels good. Because that first game we played against Tampa Bay and running out, I was just like, what is this? Like, it's different. And so this, this past weekend, running out and hearing the crowd uh, be loud, it felt good. One of Jamal's fans wonders who might be one of his favorite current teammates. At Spooky Prim. Who's been your favorite Hawks teammate so far? <laughs> Man, the list goes on and on, but I'll, I'll, I'll say somebody that, you know, not everybody, you know, might not know. One of my favorite teammates, you know, to, to ball with is definitely Bobby, uh, Bobby Wagner. Um, a hell of a guy, hell of a, hell of a pro. 
Um, a guy that just comes to work every day and, and works his ass off. Um, doesn't doesn't want all the light in the world. Just wants to just wants to win ball games and get it get his respect. Um, I respect a guy like that. Um, you know he, he's 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 all for he's all for the team and he taps into a whole nother level when he gets on that field, man. And I love balling with him, man. That's my guy. A fan of Eric's wants to know how the Steelers organization measures up to other teams he's played for. A money Steeler. It's awesome to have you in Pittsburgh. I copped a jersey as soon as I possibly could. Now I'm always repping the 8-5. Woo-woo! Question is, how is playing for the Steelers different than Lions and Colts? Different training camps, atmospheres. Um, This organization is ran to win. And I say that because they are accustomed to winning. So they understand how to build an environment full of winners. And I think that's the difference here is that just the environment is like bulletproof. Like if you're in this environment, then that's the only way you will understand it. And the only way to get into this environment is they really have to like you or they draft you because they don't really dip into free agency like that. So for me to be here is like a it's like a blessing. So it's only right that I do my job, you know, because I, I, I they don't really go into free agency. So I just think it's I just think it's dope, man. Atmosphere is 100% just crazy. Next, a listener gets Emmanuel to reveal his favorite system to play in. Yeah, Ken, uh, W.O. for life. Caught a touchdown from Peyton in Cincinnati that won me the title once, and I'm forever grateful. Thank you. Which system was your favorite, Pitt, Denver, or New Orleans? Uh, we win in New Orleans, or we won in Pitt, but I'm going to have to take uh, Peyton Manning's offense. It's an offense who allowed my talents to, um, to flourish. Uh, it was the best year uh, statistically. Uh, for me, you know, uh, every game, like I, I talked to Demaryius Thomas. We both was talking about how guys are coming in, hoping that they get 60 yards, 100 yards. Me and him will literally sit at our locker and be like, I'm going for 200 in this offense. Like 100 yards isn't like a good game in this offense. Right. And so definitely, definitely Denver's offense. It was it was it was some of the best times of my life playing in that system. A fan of Jamal wants to know the inspiration behind an on-field fashion accessory he's become known for. Turns out 33 is a trendsetter. Bryce H. Patir. What inspired the armbands you wear during the games? Man, that goes way back. Um, LSU. Um, I remember Corey Webster and Patrick Peterson wearing them. Um, and then, you know, certain guys threw their little splash on it. And now, you know, I took a, I was I was the first, the first one to wear the bands in the NFL, period. You you can go back, you can go back and look all you want. I, it was my rookie year. I was the first one to wear it. Versus the Dolphins, first get, it was the the second second game of my career. No one ever put the bands on in in the in the league. I was the first one to do it, and you know I ran with it. Now it's my look, and cats don't like that, you know. So it is what it is. It, it, hey, it's the prez look, man. If I don't have my bands on, I don't I don't feel right. Literally. It's crazy. Another listener is interested in a recent jewelry purchase made by Eric. AJP1998. I want to hear more about these diamond chains with your son's name. Okay, that's not a question. That's a demand. Um, yeah, so I got some new chains, man. You know what I'm saying? Iced out 
flawless diamonds. I put everything into them. I wanted something that stood out. If I was going to put that much into it, that much financially into it, two things. It had to be meaningful and it had to be different than everybody else's. So I created these diamond chains that are, uh, their names are in rose gold and they're Cuban linked. And they're pretty dope, man. That's whatever, you know, a little investment for them. They'll eventually get them when they get older. So a listener hopes to find out the story behind Jamal's well-known alter ego. This is Yev. How did you get nicknamed Prez? Does it stand for something? It's a great question. So back in back in college, I um, had a had a game and it was like a small reporter, nothing major. And I had seen it. He basically was just like, yeah, he kind of took over the game, basically like a president, you know, just runs everything or takes over everything. You know what I mean? And um, I kind of just ran with it. Um, you know, I wanted to do something different. And obviously I changed, I put P-R-E-Z. Um, and, you know, everybody, everybody's running with it, man. Sometimes, you know, it starts off as corny as hell and then people just start running with it. So people, all my boys, you know, they call me Prez and, you know, it, it just, it really, for me, it, it's a little bit of everything of what it stands for. You know what I mean? It just stands for, you know, that mentality. Um, it stands, it stands for who I am on the field. Um, and then off the field, it, it stands for, you know, being that being being that 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 clean cut guy, but being a guy that voices his opinion when something's right or what he believes in, and not being afraid to speak out. You know what I mean? So it's a it's a little bit of everything. I can go on and on about it, um, about what it really you know means. Uh, but one day I'll really really break it down to everybody. But it definitely has a lot of meaning. One of his fans from his days with the Jets will always appreciate Jamal because of something he saw him do, and he'll never forget. AR underscore aliens. As a Jet fan, I'll never forget when you stayed four hours after a preseason game to make sure every kid got an autograph. Is this something that you learned from a veteran in the league or did you credit that to your family and how they raised you? Much love from the new from New York. We miss you. We miss you, Press. Stay real. Now that's that's awesome, bro. That's a hell of a, you know, question, but a lot of love as well. I man. See, people don't talk about that. You know what I mean? They'll talk about all the negative, you know, or, or as they say, negative, uh, or any any bad play that I make. But they, they won't talk about these things. I did that. I did that for myself. You know what I mean? Because I've always I, I, we talked about it last time. Like I used to be that kid, and I used to look up to professional athletes and wanting to be like them. And I always told myself I will never turn down a kid. Or anybody that that feels they want to be inspired, they they come to games to be inspired. Like we we're like superheroes to to certain people, to certain kids. And I did that because it was just that's my heart. You know what I mean? I got a pure soul, and I stood out there. The buses left me and everything, bro. I had to get a I had to get an Uber home because I stood out there for four hours and I I, I signed autographs. And I, I, I didn't care about who seen me signing. Like, I didn't care about that. I wanted to sign out of the kindness of my heart because I knew I had so much love there. And I embraced the fans, you know what I mean? And, you know, some of them, you know, they give me hate and they, you know, they give me negative, um, you know, talk and whatnot and comments. But that don't bother me, man, because I know 
I left it all out there and I did it on and off the field for the Jets. So that's that's a hell of a question, man. I appreciate that. I appreciate that love, man. I truly believe that the relationship an athlete has with a fan really shows who the athlete really is. Charles Barkley said a, a long time ago that he wasn't a role model. You don't have to be a role model, but you don't have a choice if somebody makes you one. So when these kids look at us as role models and heroes, I'm always quick to tell them, I appreciate you saying it, but there's real heroes out there. Those in the military, those are heroes. Doctors, nurses, teachers, lawyers, those are heroes. Athletes, we're just really good at what we do. I'd rather be described as really cool than a real hero. I've never felt like I am. I tell these young dudes when they go to a city, I don't care if you're in Cleveland, LA, Miami. It doesn't matter where you are, what market you're in. If you put your feet down in that city and you are invested in that city, that city will pay you back more than the amount of money you're making in your contract. There's nothing like eternal love from a fan base. Like if there's a group of kids and you're a little bit sore from practice or a game and you thinking to yourself, I just want to get in my car and go home, relax, eat some food, have a drink. I'll burn that hour because I know 90% of these kids will remember this moment for the rest of their lives. That right there is real. And you know what? That also keeps that fan base from turning on you when shit don't go right, when you mess up in a game, which is inevitable, when you get injured, which is inevitable, when you mess up, speaking firsthand, crash my car, trying to save pizza while I'm driving with my knees. I was in Detroit. The fan base could have been like, bro, what the fuck? Excuse my language. They were right completely because that's what I was thinking. But guess what, though? I went to events when I was tired. I went to schools and spoke when I needed the city to have my back, when my soul was crying because I knew when I crashed that car, most likely my career was going to end within a couple of years. That city had my back and still do to this day. My advice to the young generation of athletes, find a little bit of richness in your soul and give back to the city. It's time for Quick Outs. With the 2020 NBA draft in the books, we decided to ask each of the guys what it was like the moment their lives changed forever. The day they were drafted into the NFL. Emmanuel, what do you remember about that day? Yeah, my draft day was just amazing. My mother was still alive then, and I still remember her sitting next to me, and I remember her grandma sitting next to me. You know, I played for my my local high school team, the Belleville Brahmas. I just love playing football. I love the toughness of it, but I never even thought one day that I'd be in the NFL, bro. Like, even when I went to SMU, like, I didn't know. I was just a small country kid going to a big city of Dallas, and that's not even really a big city, but... And every single day, I worked my, my, my tail off, and I remember my coach in college telling me, like, Hey, E, like, someday you're going to play on Sundays. And I, I said, what, me? Once I got drafted, that was just a reality check of, like, dude, like, I really made it. Like, my life has kind of changed, but it hasn't changed. And 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 even at the time that I got drafted, I thought my life had changed. But, I mean, it's only 300000 Like, that's nothing. That's not a life-changing That's not a life changing money. But then when I got to Pittsburgh, Mike Tomlin told me, he said, until you have seven figures, eight figures in your account, you, you don't have no money, right? Like, that money you have, it ain't, ain't no money. He said everybody can really make it into the NFL. He said the, the ones that get respected is the ones that get two or three contracts. He said if you get two or three contracts, that means you really played in the NFL. 
it's a, all a part of the process, but dude, you gotta go and get, you gotta go and get that first round type money. You gotta go and get that life changing type money. You, are we talking about life changing? The what ones that, that make your the tears fall down your face is when you can retire your mother, like that type, right? I wasn't at that point when I had got drafted, and you know, now I had to go and get that, and that's what, and I'm really talking to the guys. If you're listening to the podcast, you're in college, you're in high school, like understand this process. Making it doesn't mean that you made it. Once you make it, that means that you got to use, you got to go and really get it now. That gave you an opportunity to go and really get it and go and seize that moment. Jamal, what do you remember about draft day? Yeah, my draft day was dope, man. Uh, I I went to the draft. Uh, I was very fortunate enough to get the invite and brought my family and Man, we had a blast. Um, obviously, it was in Philly. It was, Philly wasn't the the, the best attraction. Um, we got out of there so late um, and really couldn't, you know, celebrate like we wanted because I had to leave the next morning. Obviously, um, I was upset. I was low-key upset because I wanted to, you know, as a, as a draftee, you always dream of being in a private airplane. Right. After you get drafted, you know, you fly to you fly to to your location. And I didn't get that. You know, I, I was in a van. I, I was so upset with that. I'll never forget my boy Montel. He's with Oakland now. He he was the guy over there. Uh, you know, he was in the car with me, man. I was so mad. I'm like, bro, y'all didn't get me a plane. Like I, I want to experience that. You know what I mean? That that's what I was looking forward to, you know, as a dream. So didn't get to experience that, but um, it was cool, man. Um, just just seeing my family so happy, taking pictures and finally making my dream come true. Being a six overall pick, like top 10 pick. Not many can say that. I'm, I'm very fortunate enough and, and very blessed to to be able to say that. And uh, man, it just I, I remember it like it was yesterday. And now I'm on, on year four. You know what I mean? So just embrace the opportunity, bro. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing about the draft. I don't I don't watch much TV, um, but I, I but I definitely will hear about it. Who who went where, and um, you know I'm always into basketball and always into the players and seeing where they go. So it's gonna be exciting, man. I, I wish them nothing but the best, man, because that's a hell of a hell of a dream come true. I can tell you that. Jamal, the Jets were a surprise to you. Where did you think you were going? Everybody thought Chicago was gonna come get me. Supposedly, everybody in Chicago. Uh, wanted me there and the staff wanted me there, but Ryan Pace had a different vision, obviously. And when they traded up from three to two, I was like, whoa, everybody's come get me at two. And I had cameras on my table and Mitch had cam- cameras on his table. And uh, obviously they went with Mitch and man, it was just crazy. After that, it was San Fran. And then after that, it was Jacksonville. And then it was Tennessee. And I knew out of those three teams, I was I knew Fournette was going to go to Jacksonville. I, I didn't know who was going to go to San Fran, but I didn't feel like they really wanted me at the time. And then Tennessee, I was like, ah, up in the air. And then they took Corey. And then obviously the Jets took me, and the rest is history, bro. Eric, how about you? What was that day like for you? Man, what a roller coaster of emotions. All right, real life. Wake up, blah, blah, blah. You go about your day. You're sitting around pretty much all day. You got your suit, Chris, ironed out. You know, your time comes, you would transport it there, whatever, whatever. So I'm sitting there, boom. We all know who's going first in my class. Jadavion Beast from the East, really South Carolina, but the East side. But uh, we know second, 
Oh, Buffalo trades up, gets Sammy. We like, damn, Sammy. Uh, okay. We all in there turned up. Uh, uh, Mike Evans going to Tampa. These are my dogs. Uh, uh, Khalil Mack. Uh, these are my homeboys. I'm like, okay. Boom. My phone rang. 313 number. I'm like, I'm still me. You know what I'm saying? No matter what situation it is, I'm still me. So I'm looking at my mom like, you know a 313 number? She like, no, I'm like, who the hell we know from Detroit or Michigan? She like, I don't, she like, I don't know. I'm completely forgetting I'm at the draft at this point. I answered the phone and I was like, hi, I just want to let you know we're gonna draft you as the 10th overall pick to Detroit. Welcome. I'm gonna get you on the phone with the general manager and the head coach. And <laughs> yeah, that was it. I went to Detroit. Great way to start your NFL life. Jamal would like to close the show out in a very Jamal way with an inspirational message to everyone out there listening. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tune in, tune in to Thursday, man. It's going down. You know what time it is. Don't, don't, don't worry about, you know, what, 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 what people say about you. Just keep pushing. Keep the positive thoughts because um, that's what it's about. At the end of the day, your loved ones are the, the ones that are going to always be in your corner. You don't have anything to prove to anybody but yourself. And always keep the wisdom. Always keep, you know, the man above first and stay prayed up at all times, man. But looking forward to it. Thursday is going down. Tap in with me. That's it for this episode of 17 Weeks. The show is brought to you by Uninterrupted, SiriusXM, and Pandora. You can listen on demand on SiriusXM or for free on the Pandora app. The show is also available on Apple Podcasts and other podcast platforms. Wherever you listen to it, though, be sure to subscribe so you can get notified when new episodes drop every Thursday. And if you like what you heard, which I know you do, you can't tell me otherwise. Spread the love. Share the show. You feel me? I'm your host, Nate B. Shout out to my co-host, Jamal Adams, Emmanuel Sanders, and Eric Ebron. The show is executive produced by John Fontanelli. Our producer is Josh Rodriguez. Our associate producer is Logan Casterdale. Editing and sound design by Chris Weatherspoon. The show is also produced by Chris Tyler and Andrew Emmer. Brandon Gitches, Senior Director, Podcast Production at SiriusXM. Andy King, Director, Sports Programming at SiriusXM. It's written by John McLaughlin. Archival sound courtesy of the NFL Network. All right, till next week, we out.